0: Hello everybody and welcome to the BICOM podcast. My name is Sam, I'm the Research Associate for BICOM and today I am delighted to be joined by Mr Tom Tugendhat. Um, Tom is obviously the the Member of Parliament for Tombridge, Edenbridge and Morling. But but more relevant for our discussion today, Tom is also the Chair to the House of Commons Foreign Affairs Committee. Um, Tom, thanks so much for joining BICOM's podcast today.
1: Hello, how are you?
0: All good, thank you. So I thought we should um obviously start with the most kind of pressing issue, which is currently the current escalation between Israel and and Hamas kind of how do you assess the fighting at the moment and and if you do, where do you lay the blame for the uh, the current escalation?
1: Well what we're seeing at the moment is incredibly sad we've seen effectively a failure of politics on both sides because of course the point of politics people forget this is it's not the winning of elections. It's the peaceful resolution of problems. And what we're seeing today is sadly the reverse of that. We're seeing young people in uh, Israel and in Gaza who are suffering terribly. We're seeing communities in both that are grieving for their losses. And it's absolutely wrong uh, to see the level of aggression that we've seen. And it's deeply tragic that we've seen these uh, this level of violence. It is, I'm afraid to say, a failure, a political failure on all sides. And I hope very much that groups can get back together and start talking again.
0: I want to kind of just ask you about something which um, the Prime Minister kind of tweeted yesterday. He, he urged Israel and Palestinians to, I quote, step back from the brink and call for both sides to um, show restraint. Are, were you kind of surprised by the kind of, his or the kind of the government's impartiality given that one of the sides to the fighting is, is a terrorist group according to kind of US, UK and Europe law, and the other side is a kind of key ally to the UK and the region. So were you kind of surprised by the UK's positioning at the moment on the, on the escalation?
1: Look, I wasn't terribly surprised, sadly, because what we're seeing at the moment is we're seeing a British government that's trying to be impartial. Now you and I both know that Hamas is a vile terrorist organisation backed by some of the worst regimes Uh, in the region, spreading uh, a form of hatred through propaganda that is is really twisting minds and and dividing peoples. But we've also got a problem that we need to have ways in which uh, communities can come together. And sadly, you know, what we've seen recently is, uh, as I say, a political failure. And now uh, we're seeing uh, the result of it. What the British government, I think, is trying to do is to get people back to the uh, back around the table and while i'm delighted to see that the iron dome is protecting thank god many thousands of people from uh, absolutely appalling rocket attacks that we've seen in recent days we've also got to do our best to promote uh peace and a uh, a winding down of the violence that we've seen in recent days
0: maybe we can move on to iran and, and i know kind of the um foreign affairs committee has has just kind of done an inquiry on iran and, and the uk's po- policy with iran last year in, in concerted home you called for a change in the uk's policy on iran where in your view has the uk policy on iran gone wrong well
1: i think we have been not clear enough on defending uh, partners and allies in the region i think that's the area where i think i would like to see us go uh, be, be tougher because whether you're talking about Israel or the Emirates or Saudi or indeed Jordan and many other countries, uh, defending our partners in the region, sadly, today means standing up to Iran. I wish it didn't. The Iranian people, as many people will know, are some of the greatest uh, culturally, uh, you know, in sciences, in many other areas in the world. They're an absolutely fantastic Uh, civilization, and they rightly deserve a seat at the top table. The tragedy is that for the last 40 years, they've been governed by a bunch of barbarous dictators who um, beat women for not wearing headscarves, who murder people for being gay, and who are also conducting, as we know, a series of terrorist adventures around the world. And most tragically, they've murdered quite literally hundreds of thousands of Sunni Muslims in Syria during this latest civil war. So I think we need to stand with the people of Syria who've been butchered by this terrible regime, the people of Saudi Arabia who live under the threat of Saudi, uh, sorry, of Iranian missile attack, and the people of Israel and the Emirates who, sadly, have been exposed to their violence too. So I think there's an awful lot that we should be doing more.
0: Obviously, kind of the last couple of years, um, our approach to Iran has been kind of clouded, or so say it's been through the kind of lens of, of the nuclear. Program and the JCPOA, it'd be good to hear your opinion about kind of what, you, how you view the the nuclear program, whether you think it's right that the UK should be pushing its Western allies to return to it, and um, and how much has the, the the JCPOA kind of hamstrung our ability, as you said, to kind of push back and around more in the region.
1: Well, look, I think the JCPOA, um, sadly. Uh was it was a very temporary fix it didn't stop as we know it didn't stop missile development it didn't stop uh, funding of terrorism uh, around the region and it released uh, the iranian government's hands a bit on uh, quite a lot of the funding arrangements so it was let's not pretend it was the it, it was the cure-all it was certainly was not uh, and indeed some of the people who were sanctioned were not quite those who we th- initially were intended to be but there is a series of discussions about that too So I hope that if we are going to try and reignite the JCPOA or or, or something similar to it, then we will take in these other factors because the idea that the nuclear issue stands on its own, I wish it did, but sadly it doesn't. It also stands alongside the terrorism and the the missile technology. And I would love nothing more uh, than to have a normal relationship with Iran. It's one of the great civilizations of the world. But the reality is at the moment, uh, what we've got is a millenarian cult that is looking to spread uh, a very, very violent regime, very violent ideology throughout the region. And it believes not only in the destruction of the state of Israel, as we know, but actually in uh, the recapture of the holy sites of Mecca and Medina, and indeed many other uh, areas of, uh, of, of violence that would seriously undermine the peace, in, in, not just for uh, people in, in Israel, but, but all over the region
0: kind of going on your theme of kind of pushing, pushing back in Iran in the region. Obviously the um, the RGC is one of the kind of Iran's kind of more prolific kind of vehicle in spreading kind of its its instability. In a recent report, the uh, the Foreign Affairs Committee called for the British government to fully prescribe the RJC as a terrorist organisation, although at the moment no part of it has been. So I wonder if, if you have any understanding of why the UK has been kind of either unwilling or unable to prescribed the organization
1: so far? Well, I I must say this is an area where I disagree with the government. I think the Islamic Revolutionary Guard Corps should be sanctioned. I think there's no question about it in my mind. It's uh, running not only a terrorist organization outside Iran, but actually it's running a state within a state inside Iran and spreading an incredibly violent uh, form of governance uh, that brutalizes the Iranian people. First of all, I mean, let's remember the first victims of the IRGC are, are the Iranian people themselves. Uh, the other, Everybody else is, is, if you like, a secondary victim because um, they're not under constant attack uh, as the Iranian people are. So I think sanctioning the IRGC makes absolute sense. And by the way, one of the things that they do uh, a lot is they, uh, they raise money and they do so by various different corrupt enterprises and by stitching up government contracts. So they're not only oppressing the Iranian people, but they're stealing from them too.
0: Okay, maybe we can kind of talk about the UK's kind of policy to, to the Middle East in general. I actually read a speech you gave to Rusi in 2018, and, and you laid down kind of five criteria for a successful foreign policy agenda. You mentioned insight, influence, trade, alliances, and force. At the time, you, um, you criticised the government under May for lacking kind of strategic direction and focus. How do you kind of assess the current government's approach to the region?
1: Well, I think this is one of those areas where we really could have done a huge amount more, because um, now we've left the European Union, we can have a very different relationship with many partners around the world. And uh, as many of your listeners will know, uh, one of those partners with whom I'd like to see a much closer relationship in commercial terms, not just uh, as you rightly identify in intelligence terms, uh, is Israel. Because the overlap of our interests and the potential cooperation between our businesses is enormous. I mean, I don't even know where to begin. There's so much that we can work on together. And actually, when you look at the rest of the region, you can see this too. You know, hugely important partners and allies Uh, like Jordan, Uh, very important friends like uh, the Emirates, and then other countries around the area, you know, who we uh, have got very long uh, and deep relationships with, like Kuwait, like Saudi, like Egypt. You know, I think there is a huge opportunity for the UK to have a very, very strong uh, engagement in the Middle East and uh, a deeper partnership with many of the peoples who uh, we can, you know, who we get on with very well. So I hope very much that what we're going to do is we're going to inject real life into the uh, Middle Eastern relationship, uh, whether that's uh, you know, in the East or the West, the North or the South, I think there's a huge opportunity for all of us.
0: Do, do you think the UK kind of has maybe the military capability or at least the willingness to use it to kind of impose a more national interest driven agenda in a region which is so heavily dictated by military powers such as Russia, Turkey, Iran?
1: Well, as I, as, I, as I never get tired of saying, although people probably get tired of hearing, foreign policy isn't about foreigners, it's about us. Uh, by which I mean it's about the interests of the British people. It's about the prosperity and happiness of the British people. And in order to achieve it, we need the prosperity and happiness of our partners. So having a state or national interest uh, to foreign policy, as you put it, is about making sure not only are our people safe and uh, able to trade and travel and, and do all the sort of things that we like, but that our friends can too. There's no point in being free in a prison, is there? You need to have the outside too. So, you know, what we need to do is we need to make sure we have peace in uh, amongst our friends and, and uh, you know, relationships that we can build on. So uh, I hope very much that we will pursue that national agenda, but that national agenda is also about others.
0: Some would say that kind of peace in the region or peace between allies or countries in the region is, has been very much dependent on the US having a, a much kind of greater role in the region. And obviously the US under Trump trying to pull back under Obama, and, and even now under the Biden administration, that they're, they're hesitant to kind of get involved in the Middle East. Do you think that has negative implications for the UK?
1: Well, I hope very much that um, the new uh, administration, the Biden administration, will build on the successes that we've seen. You know, In many ways, it's continuing the policies uh, of the Trump administration on China and the Trump administration itself was actually continuing the China policies of the the Obama administration. So, you know, it's not like these things change suddenly. You know, the truth is that actually, although sometimes the noise may make it appear as though there's a bigger change than there really is, the reality is that the uh, U.S. administrations have relatively... Uh, continuous uh, relationships uh, that uh, that see foreign policy evolve. And the same is true uh, in in the Middle East. You know, the reality is that the Obama administration, the Trump administration, and now the Biden administration are all working towards um, improving the relationships between Israel and her neighbours, are all working towards better peace in the region. And I hope very much that the Biden administration will therefore uh, be even more successful than its predecessors. So
0: you mentioned that China, and I know you do a lot of work with the government about kind of China 's growing influence in the region, I wanted you to just explain to our readers who might not be as, as aware why is China becoming more more of a player in the region, what are its kind of goals and aims
1: well there's a very obvious reason why it 's becoming a more player and a bigger player in the region, and that's because it 's increasingly uh, dependent on Middle Eastern energy. Uh, you know, We know that its relationship with Iran is now very, very much closer than it has been for years before. And indeed, it's Iran's most important uh, diplomatic uh, partner. And, and we also know that its, uh, its Belt and Road Initiative, as it calls it, which is really more of a branding exercise than a policy, uh, has seen it uh, deepen its partnerships with some countries in the region. So we do know that um, you know China has got a growing interest, but we also know uh, that many countries are increasingly concerned about what they're seeing. Uh, In China, because, of course, many uh, of your listeners, I'm sure, are aware of the incidents going on in Western China, in the so-called Xinjiang province, semi-autonomous region, which is where the Uyghur Muslim community is being extremely badly treated. Uh, At the very least, it's serious human rights abuses and it may even amount to genocide uh, because what we're seeing is uh, forced sterilizations mass incarcerations and various forms of, of brutalization that we've reported on quite a lot at the chinese china research group as you know so you know it's it's extremely concerning and many countries in the middle east are increasingly aware of it indeed and i don't support this at all but very sadly recently there was an attack on the chinese ambassador in islamabad in pakistan uh, by a terrorist group, and um, they said that this was down to the the, the, the violence shown towards the Ummah al-Islamia, the, the Muslim community in Western China. Now, uh, I, I know we all condemn any attacks on any diplomats or anywhere in the world, uh, but this is uh, this is sadly an indicator that the um, the abuse of the Uyghur population may be uh, changing people's opinions.
0: Mm. Um, I know you, you obviously mentioned a, bit, a little bit earlier about kind of the UK and, and Israel and its relationship, but I wonder if you could just kind of maybe just expand a bit. So how important do you regard kind of the UK's relationship for UK's interests in the region?
1: So I, I think, you know, I, I think it's always important to have key partners that you build on. And it's very hard to imagine a more important partner than, uh, than Israel for the United Kingdom. The intelligence partnership is... Second only to one, and that's the United States. The uh, the defense partnership is uh, is again second only to 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 our deals with NATO, which, as you know, regional. Um, And uh, our commercial interests are so overlapping that, frankly, it's very hard to divide them. Um, So you know, I think it's enormously important, and it's you know, Israel is one of the very very important uh, nations for us in the in the region. We you know this is the uk we have we have other very important partners too but but let's not uh, let's not let's not belittle the relationship that we have with jerusalem it's an extremely important alliance
0: that was great thank you so much for your for your insights and um yeah thank you again for your time today
1: thank you very much